When we, when we speak about the world, we usually think of the, the planet, the country, the sky above us, the people around us, the buildings we walk around in. making our way in the world, doing something in the world. In our ordinary ways of speaking, we put the, the world out there. As we develop the practice of Dhamma, the, the view of the world, what it is, where it is, how it is, necessarily changes as a change of perspective, a change of view. When the Buddha spoke about this, he said, that whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world, that is what is called the world in this Dhamma and discipline, this teaching. And what is it whereby one is a perceiver and a conceiver of the world? Loka Sanyi, Lokamani in Pali. The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. This is the means, this is the, the medium, the way in which one is a perceiver and a conceiver of the world. So the world is the world of our experience. Whether we say it's the feeling of the rhythm of the breath inside this body, a thought in our mind, a memory only we know, we remember, we call that inside. And the building that we're sitting in, the temple, we say that's outside. I am in the building. The building is out there. We have the land of Amravati and Hertfordshire, the sky above us, the rest of the planet beneath us, the universe out there. But the Buddha encourages us to, to bring it home. Whether it's a perception of stars in the sky the rhythm of our breath, the memory of, a, of an event, an emotion, loving, hating, fearing, wanting, all of it happens here. It's known through the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. The only world we know is the world that's experienced through this mind. So we don't experience the world, but we experience our mind's version of the world. I might hear this over and over again, and as we listen to the words, they make sense. They, oh yeah, that's right. But how easy it is to then s fall away from that. That slips through our fingers, slides away. And then it's me in this building, moving around this part of the world, out there. The fields, the trees, the sky, the land, the people out there. 
So it takes an effort to sustain that recognition, that realization that the world is in this mind. The world is continually fabricated. Eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose, tongue, body, mind consciousness. Arising, taking shape, fading away. These are patterns of consciousness known in this this field of awareness, this space of awareness. The world happens here. Also, as the Buddha said to Rohitasa, when he met this uh, Deva, Rohitasa, who had been a yogi, who had been trying to, to walk to the end of the world, the Buddha said, you can't reach the end of the world by walking. But I say to you, unless you reach the end of the world, you won't reach the end of suffering. So it was a, a cryptic, puzzling statement. You got to get to the end of the world to get to the end of dukkha, but you can't get to the end of the world by walking. Like you can't reach the horizon. It doesn't work that way. So then he went on to explain, it's in this very body With its perceptions and its thoughts, there is the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the way leading to the cessation of the world. So in this respect, he's making a direct parallel, a direct connection between the world, loka, and dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, suffering. What that means is, insofar as the mind makes the world solid, real, actual, it's creating dukkha. The more solid, real, permanent that the mind makes the world, the more dukkha it creates, because it's trying to form something solid and permanent out of that which is empty, sunya, impermanent, anicca. Therefore it's bound to be frustrated, disappointed. Now the world happens here. We hear a bleeping sound off in the distance. Oh, that sounds like a, a reversing noise made by a lorry. It's out there, somewhere outside the temple. But in this moment, just like the sound of my voice, where is it? It's hearing consciousness. Listening, hearing. Where is it known? Right here, in this mind. The perceptions of this building, feelings of warmth or coolness, the solidity of the floor, the color of the pillars, the gold of the Buddha image. Seeing, where does seeing happen? Feeling, where does feeling happen? The perceptions of three-dimensional space, here and there. I'm sitting here. The Buddha image is over there. The door is over there. 
the mind perceives these patterns of consciousness and weaves them together to make the world. Just recently I was reading a piece by Bill Bryson about the body, his new book about the body, and he makes the point that only 10% of our experience of the world actually comes through our senses and the rest is put together by the mind sense guessing what comes next, fills in the gaps. So even what we hear, what we feel, what we see, all of the data coming in through our eyes and ears, our tongue, our nose, our body, all of that is pieced together into a, a best guess by the mind. 90% of what we call the world then is just the mind guessing, predicting what it thinks is going on, what it assumes things to be, or is making a, an approximation. It's a guess. So this is learning to not trust the habits of the senses. This seems quite say, understandable or you can relate to that when it's a, the sound of a voice or a, a vehicle or a plane flying overhead. You can see, oh, it's just the mind making a story or interpreting a particular sound or a feeling. When it comes to our emotions, feeling lonely, feeling angry, feeling sad, feeling jealous, feeling proud, feeling confused, those we can take to be absolutely real and solid. But again, it's just empty perceptions, the mind piecing things together and making a guess, an approximation. Every perception is anicca, dukkha, anatta. So we're learning, training the mind not to trust its perceptions, not to take them as absolute realities. This feeling of loneliness, or this feeling of excitement, this feeling of irritation or impatience. I can't stand it. I've got to have it. What's going to happen to me? I can't bear that. These random judgments that the mind makes, they're empty, insubstantial, uncertain. Sabe sankara anicca. All conditioned things are uncertain, transient. So when we train the mind, the heart, to appreciate the world in this way, the world becomes a lot lighter, it's transparent not so burdensome or limiting, not so stressful. It's just the world. It's just patterns of perception, coming, going, changing. The mind guessing what might happen next, guessing what's going on. No need to make a big thing of it. No need to be stressed about it. No need to be excited about it. Feelings of fear, feelings of hope, 
regretting, reminiscing, recreating the past in positive ways or painful ways. All of this is sanya anicca, impermanent, transient, uncertain perceptions. So as we work to develop the practice, having this retreat time together, develop this change of view, this change of vision, the way the mind creates the world, how it assumes its own judgments are so real, so important, so true. If we really long for peace, if we attracted towards peace, freedom, happiness, then one of the, the principal ways this can be actualized is seeing through perceptions, seeing through the empty nature of this world that our mind creates moment by moment. Again, as the Buddha said, if you see the world as empty, then the king of death will not find you. Say dramatic way of speaking, what it means is that if we see that the world of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thinking, emotions, if we see that those are intrinsically empty of substance, then the heart is not tied to all the comings and goings, beginnings and endings, gains and losses. One of the advantages of developing mindfulness of breathing, using the rhythm of the breath as a focus for attention, is that we learn to watch those rhythms, the in-breath, the out-breath. We know those patterns of change without emotional attachment, without a lot of identification. It's just a rhythm. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. The mind that knows that cycle is not tied to that cycle. We train the the mind to focus on the breath in that way and then if we use that same principle to relate to emotion, to thinking, to our feelings of identity, then there's that same kind of natural ease to it, gaining, losing being praised, being criticized, succeeding, failing, comfort, discomfort, having a blocked nose, not having a blocked nose. It comes, it goes. No big thing. Gaining is like this. Losing is like this. Comfort is like this. Discomfort is like this. The mind that knows gaining and losing, happiness and unhappiness, comfort and discomfort, sickness and health, is free of those things. It's like the mind knowing the in-breath and the out-breath isn't going anywhere. It's ever-present. The mind knowing gaining and losing. Loving and leaving. Comfort and discomfort. That mind is not tied, not bound to those qualities. It knows them. Just like knowing the coming and going of the breath, 
But it's not tied to that. It's not limited by that. It knows the world, but it's not tied to the world. It's lokutara, transcends the world. Lokavitu, knowing the world, and lokutara, transcending the world. These go together. So as we develop the practice, using the time to develop concentration, developing insight, these different aspects of the meditation practice, it's always going to help whether we're giving an emphasis to concentration or we're giving an emphasis to insight or loving-kindness to be sustaining this particular point of view, to be seeing things in this way, to be seeing the moods and perceptions as empty, void of substance. The world is empty. There's seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. There's no thing really there. So when the mind is distracted by a sound or a sensation, it's easier to let go of it. When the mind is trying to hold on to something that it, that it likes and wants to keep, again, it recognizes that there's no special thing there, nothing to be kept, no one to keep it. The attitude is easeful, relaxed. There's a natural delight a natural comfort, just letting the mind be awake, letting it know, knowing the world, coming and going, and transcending the world. Not tied to it, not carrying it around, not burdened by it. So when the Buddha talked about the end of the world, it's seeing the empty nature of the world. That's what brings it to an end. It's not an explosion of the planet, but rather it's in this awareness. This is where the world ends. Because its solidity, its thingness, ends right here. This awake, aware quality, vicha, this is where that world comes to an end. And in that ending, there's peacefulness. Peacefulness. 